<laughs> Welcome to Bloom Living. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, former rock musician turned financial strategist, sharing amazing ideas from amazing people looking to up the game of life whenever we can. Hey, 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 welcome to the Bloom Living Podcast. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, and I would first off like to start out by just thanking all of our listeners and all of you amazing people out there that share our stuff on social media, share the show, and give us feedback. It's really, really appreciated. Uh, so, you know, thank you so much. And in the spirit of doing shout outs, I want to do a shout out for Panama City, which uh, is in our top 10 of cities where our show is listened to. And I'm just blown away by that. I, I don't know anybody in Panama City personally. So to have people down there turn, tuning into the show and listening to us on a weekly basis and, and taking away whatever it is that they're getting from the show, I'm so truly grateful. And I just think it's such a, such a huge opportunity for me and, and the team here at Bloom Living uh, to, to just move forward and go, yes, we're, we're doing some stuff in the world and, uh, and isn't it fantastic? Uh, so before we uh, get to today's guest, and today's guest is Nicole Jansen, and uh, she's she's got a great a great bio. You're gonna you're gonna love uh, getting uh, tips and and things from Nicole in the world of business, the world of growing your business, the world of coaching, the world of podcasting. Uh, her and I connected on LinkedIn, and uh, and I'm just I'm really excited to dive into a conversation with her. But before we get to that, you know, today there was an article out. And uh, it was Adam Newman, the founder of WeWork, uh, has been given a $1.7 billion, that's a billion with a B, dollar package to go away. And I was just thinking about that this morning. And I don't want to, I'm not going to go into like all the reasons what's going on or what failed or what didn't work at WeWork uh, that would have that happen. I want to focus more on, you know, my question was, what kind of consciousness, what kind of space does one need to be in where you actually create that you're going to receive $1.7 billion for people to say, hey, you know what, we've got this. You can, you know, we'd just like you to exit the company. We're going to take it over and you can go off and do whatever you want to do. And, and he's a, you know, he's a relatively young man as well. I'm not sure in his age, but just by his photos. He's, you know, he's fairly young and here he is being offered $1.7 billion to just, you know, not be there anymore. And so I'm looking at this like the positive, like if that were me, so, you know, there might be the idea that, you know, I feel shame or I feel bad. It's my company, all of that stuff. And then there's the opportunity of, well, what does that kind of financial freedom, if you will, create, if it is actually financial freedom, if you're in the space to have it be financial freedom, what would that create? Like, what would be possible for you to do with that amount of capital? Like, certainly you could start a new company if you wanted to. You could uh, not do anything for a while if you wanted to. I mean, you certainly would not have to worry about having a day job in order to, you know, pay the rent, if you will, and make sure that you're fed. And from that is a lot of opportunity to continue to have influence in the world, to continue to create opportunities for yourself and to continue to grow uh, if that's what you choose to do. And so I really looked at that as like, yeah, I could get into all of the stuff that happened that caused that to happen and, 
And, you know, maybe Adam's not a great guy. I don't know. I don't know him personally. I'm fascinated, though, at the fact that he's created in his life the ability to be paid $1.7 billion to go away. And, you know, seeing as how season three of the Bloom Living podcast has been much more of a focus on money and our consciousness around money and how can we create opportunities for more money, it makes me think of, you know, one of my money principles. You are your most valuable asset. So when it comes to money, when it comes to the creation of money and creating your life and moving forward, Adam Newman, in the sense of money, and bringing money into his consciousness or bringing money into his life, he's hit the ball out of the park. Like he bet on himself big time and financially it has certainly worked out. And like I said, I don't know all about all the other stuff and you know, I don't know him personally, so I don't know what his personal life looks like. On a financial basis, he has definitely managed to nail it down. And that's really all I have today on that. I was just blown away by that this morning that, that somebody could create that. Now, Nicole Jansen, coming on the show. She's a strategic business advisor, a leadership coach, and podcast host. Nicole Jansen has helped thousands of people transform their lives and achieve extraordinary results in business and their community. Her 30-plus years of experience in business, leadership, and human behavior, along with overcoming adversity in her own life, has uniquely equipped her to empower greatness in others. She is the founder and CEO of Discover the Edge. She has interviewed over 285 different makers on the Leaders of Transformation podcast and has reached listeners in 130 countries around the world. You can find her at www.discovertheedge.com, leadershiptransformation.com, which is the podcast, and you can also find her on LinkedIn. Nicole Jansen, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am fantastic, Thomas. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, where, where are you? Are you down in San Diego? Do I have that right? I am. North County. Yeah. Okay. So near Carlsbad. I love it. I absolutely love the beach. So it's good. Uh, so I, I've I've gone through your bio. Obviously, um, it's impressive. Thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, we met on LinkedIn, and I've I've shared a, a bunch of your details off the top on the show. But here's where I'd like to start: is the you know 30 years of experience in business and leadership and human behavior. I think what I'd like to know first is what attracted you to getting into human behavior and really like like focusing on working with people and coaching them? What was it that, that got you started? And, and maybe we can go back to the beginning and just see how that unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. So I had the unique opportunity of growing up in an entrepreneurial family. So my parents were entrepreneurs. My dad owned garage businesses. My mother worked in the garage business. My brother helped. Well, he was a, he's a little older. He helped there, you know, and cleaned the tools, right? Even at a very young age. And, uh, and then they actually uh, started a business, a home-based business in network marketing in, in Amway back when I was seven. And so I got introduced to personal development early on. So I started reading books like The Richest Man in Babylon, you know, at seven and eight years old. I, I tried to tackle how to win friends and influence people, but the words were a little bit big for me. So I put that aside for a little a couple of years. But um, I got, you know, kind of knee deep in that. And one of the books, which I read when I was about 11, 12 years old was about personalities. 
And at the time, my I loved my parents. I knew they loved me, my brother. But there was such a, um, we were all such powerhouses, strong personality types. So there was conflict and everybody wanted to be right. Everybody wanted to get their word in, you know. And I remember being a little girl and saying, why am I like, I'm like the maid for everybody. Everybody's bossing me around, <laughs> you know, and I don't like this. And it was only when I read that book. In fact, I thought my dad's whole goal in life was to drive me crazy. Now, coming from a European household, you did not, uh, you did not talk back to your parents. But in, my, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know what? When I'm 16, I'm out of here, right? I just got tired of being bossed around. When I read that book, it opened up a whole new world for me because I discovered that it wasn't that he was literally trying to drive me crazy. It was that his personality and my personality were in conflict. In fact, we were very much alike in many ways and in other ways we were different. And that the differences created conflict because I couldn't see how he could see it that way. And the similarities were in the, we both like to lead and be in charge. <laughs> so that really started my journey. And then when I got into business for myself, uh, number one, I helped them in that business. So I saw the human dynamics working within teams. People would come to our house at that time. You know, there was no internet. So people would show up at our house. And so I got really involved in that at a young age. When I started my business, my first official business, I say at 16, because I did lots of things before, you know, selling stuff at flea markets and stuff. But when I did that and I really got serious about it, then I realized how important the people dynamics, every business is a people business. Mm -hmm. And so the, the understanding of the different personality types that I use the disc, uh, predominantly use the disc personality types to understand uh, myself and others better so I could build better relationships and more effective teams. It spilled over, of course, into the business world, in sales, in marketing and communication in every area. And so that's really how I got involved in the human behavior. And the other thing is when you asked about business, and of course, that's how I got into involved in passion about business. From a leadership standpoint, I actually learned and saw great leaders. And I also saw really bad leaders and, and leaders that were very destructive. And so in the process of doing that, I actually learned a tremendous amount from those leaders that were great leaders. Uh, I also learned a tremendous amount from the poor leaders and I got to see the contrast and to see the impact of great leadership versus poor leadership and actually feel the impact on our business and, and the impact on our teams based on, on other people's leadership. Wow. Thank you for that. You know, uh, the Amway, I started at Amway too at a very early age. I think who didn't, right? <laughs> my dad, my dad always had a side hustle. This is back in the, you know, the seventies for me and early eighties yeah. that my dad had side hustles. He was a government employee and he, you know, he had a great pension upon retirement, but he always had this side hustle and I used to sell Amway for him. And so I actually was honing my sales kit. What I didn't get though was the, the uh, you know, the reading of the books at a very early age that, that you, you know, you had a great, at an early, you know, early teens to have come up and understand what the dynamic is and how that's functioning in the house. Like that's a huge insight for a teenager. Like that had to have really set you, set you apart at that point in understanding what was possible for your life. Yes, ab ab absolutely. And I, 
I highly recommend it to parents to encourage their kids to listen, not force them to, but to encourage them to listen. My parents never forced me to help them in the business. They never forced me to listen to anything or read anything other than, you know, later on, of course, when, when we were partners in business, my dad's like, you have to listen to this CD. This will be awesome. And I'm like translating that in my brain, even though the old habits, right? It's like tra that translates in my brain. Don't ever listen to that CD because dad told you to, but that's a whole other <laughs> thing. Again, personality types, right? But I'm like, dad, right. stop saying that because when you say that, it just translates. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, we kind of laugh about that. But yeah, you know, there were there weren't that many of my friends who were even seven, eight and 12 and 13 and 15 years old that were listening to tapes for my 16th birthday. I was at a seminar and my friend said, I want to hang out with you for for my uh, for for she wanted to hang out with me on my birthday. And I said, great, then you're going to need one of these and gave her a ticket to an event because that's where we were going down to the States. And that was a great fun trip. Uh, driving eight hours in, down to the States with my mom. And, uh, and that was just my life, you know? And so I didn't really think anything of it. And when I was in my late teens and, and my dad actually came, left the business and then came back in the business. And um, the three of us started to build it really together. Um, you know, here I am, I'm writing checks for like a hundred thousand dollars a week for, you know, just not even thinking anything of it. Now I look back and I watch my nieces grow up and, you know, when they were 16 and 17 and 19 years old, there is no way I would let them near my uh, finances, <laughs> my business. <laughs> so it was only then that I realized what a unique, truly realized what a unique experience that I had and the context that that created for me, you know, going to events, where it was nothing to wander around an event, you know, a conference that was 50,000 people, um, mm. organizing events, planning events, um, you know, so many different experiences. So it was a great experience. I don't build a business anymore. Um, and, but, you know, it was a tremendous experience and yeah. a great, great lesson also in systems and duplication business whether you own a franchise or, or any type of business, it is a system, as you know, and there is, and, and I, I got, I early, early on learned the lesson that whatever I do, people are going to duplicate. What I do right, they're going to duplicate 50%. What I do wrong or poorly, they're going to duplicate 100%. So I just wow. got learned to get really clear on whatever I'm doing if that got duplicated, because we had a large organization in countries, 11, 12 countries, um, if it got duplicated a thousand times or 10,000 times, what would that look like? So yeah, yeah. great lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, and I will give a little shout out for network marketing because I know in a lot of spaces it gets a bad name, but here's what I've learned from that is the coaching and the amount of training and the, and just how open a lot of people are to learning and listening. And I, and I don't know what my dad was listening to in the, in the car all the time, but when he would drive me to ice hockey, he always had these tape, these motivational tapes on, and I don't know who the speakers were, right? But I remember listening to this stuff all the time. And I think somewhere, you know, it got, it got planted in, in the skull somewhere, even though back then I was way more focused on music. I want to go back to something you mentioned, the disc, and I'm assuming this is the, uh, the dominance, influence, steadiness, consciousness breakdown of, of people. Is yes. that correct? Yes. Right. 
And is, so for our listeners out there that maybe have never heard about this before, can you share a little bit about how you use it or where it really, you know, functions well for you inside of, you know, assisting somebody with their business? Absolutely. So the, the, it's like, if you think of a circle, right? For those of you that are watching, you know, it's just like, just imagine a circle on the top half of the circle, or if you're listening, you can draw this out, you know, or visualize it. The top half of the circle, imagine it's outgoing. Okay. So just, just once, you know, full circle, top half is outgoing, bottom half is reserved, right? Write the word down reserved. You split the, you know, split it top half and bottom half. If you split it vertically on you know, one side is the, um, the task oriented and the other side is people oriented. And so what you end up getting is you end up getting four quadrants. And the reason why I say outgoing and reserved and task oriented, people oriented, because really you can ask yourself when you meet someone uh, or you're planning your marketing or whatever, uh, you, you think about in terms of two questions. The first question is, is this person that I'm looking to speak to and communicate with more outgoing or are they more reserved? Now, everybody's going to be a, a, a unique blend of all four personality types. There's going to be varying intensities and so forth, but are they generally more outgoing? Are they leaning in? Are they more fast paced? Okay. Or are they more reserved? Do they lean back? Do they kind of just like, okay, I need to test the waters first. Or do they, they speak more slowly. You know, somebody who's a fast paced speaker, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he's like, right. Like he's really a fast paced. Then that's a hot, that's an outgoing personality type. Now he is not reserved. No, not at all. <laughs> not in his, not in his opinions. Not in his. I love him. He's great. So, um, man, when you look at the task-oriented on the one side, the task-oriented person thinks in terms of um, what, what do I need to do. They wake up in the morning and they're like, "What do I need to get done today?" So that's kind of their. If if you think of their um, the the speed right and the pace would be the the outgoing and reserved, but the compass and where they lean towards task oriented people tend to lean towards what needs to get done. They're very, they're very focused. They're very, um, you know, when you go into their office and you're trying to ask them a question, they will be like, well, one moment, just let me finish this most often, right? Unless they've learned the personalities, they'll be like, hang on, let me finish this project before I talk to you because the priority is for them of getting their work done. On the flip side or on the other side is the, the people-oriented person who their compass is leaning towards people. So they're the ones that when you walk into their office, they're going to stop and talk to you because people are, is more important than the process. It's more important than the result in terms of get tasks. When, when they wake up in the morning, they're thinking of who am I going to see today? Who am I going to connect with today? It's a mm. different conversation. And there's no right or wrong, good or bad. Every single person personality style is have equal value and equal importance. But what you end up getting is you end up getting the outgoing task oriented, the outgoing reserve, I'm sorry, the, the outgoing task oriented, the outgoing people oriented. And then you have the reserved people oriented and the reserved task oriented D I S and C. So the outgoing task oriented is dominant. They're very driving, doer, decisive type of people. They're the ones that they like to lead and be in charge. Only 10% of the population is predominantly a D personality type. Thank God. Um, our country is run right now by a extreme D personality type. Right. And so, um, and maybe 
and many people would say to the extreme because every strength taken to an extreme then becomes a weakness where deep personality types can become very domineering, very dogmatic, uh, very defiant, right? And so we use D words. I learned about this through uh, Personality Insights, Dr. Robert Rome's uh, company. And I love the way he's, he's an educator. He has many degrees. And one of them is in education. Communication is another one where, you know, if you have, it's got to be easy to remember, easy to apply, right? Otherwise, it's a nice tool. Like Myers-Briggs is excellent, but most people don't know how to apply that in their day-to-day relationships and interactions. Right. Whereas this way, if you think about dominant driver, D, D words, right? And then the I, which is the outgoing people oriented, they're the ones who love to talk. They like to be the center of attention. Uh, they oftentimes will congregate in Hollywood, right? And um, they have a great story. So they're very interesting. They're very influencing. They're very, uh, in, you know, uh, into and interested in other people and what's going on. They tend to know the gossip. Uh, of what's going on. Uh, they're very driven by recognition where D's are driven by, um, they're driven by results. I's are driven by recognition. They like right. to have fun. And um, I'll just, so finish them out. The, um, yeah. the S personality, to, hopefully this is beneficial. I'm kind of unpacking. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love it. It's great. Okay. So, and then the S who, uh, who is reserved and people oriented, similar to the, the, you know, the inspiring type, um, they love people, but for them, they're more the listeners. They're reserved. So now they're not going to be the ones that are talk, 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 talk. They're the ones that are more the listeners. And so they are supportive. They are steady. They like the status quo. They don't like, you know, to change things too quickly. You know, they're some of the sweetest people that you'll ever meet. Um, jovial, happy people. Um, they like harmony. They like mm -hmm. harmony and they like appreciation. If you're going to recognize them, don't recognize them in front of 5,000 people on a stage. That'll, you know, traumatize them unless they ever, you know, are very confident in themselves. But you, that, what they prefer is that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, personal touch of thank you. You know, I really appreciate you rather than the, you know, the lights and the, all that kind of, you know, fanfare. Right. So to speak. They don't want the big show. Don't need the big show at all. Yeah. There are a lot of times, and you see this, it's like front stage, backstage, right? The outgoing tends to lean towards uh, careers that will allow them to be more front stage because they're outgoing. And then reserve people tend to lean back. They tend to be backstage. Now, the interesting thing about leadership is that a lot of times people think the outgoing people are some of the, the best leaders because they're the ones that are out there. You know, they like to be on the front stage. They like to um, have the results. They like the recognition and so forth. But some of the greatest leaders I've met are actually S personality types. They're the servant leaders. They don't need the credit. They just want to, they just want to get it done and they want to work together. They know they like harmony. They like to work together. Let's work together. Right? right. So the D is like, let's get it done. Let's make it happen. The I is like, let's have fun. The S is like, let's work together and do it right. together. We'll get a better result. And then the C personality type is the cautious type or the contemplative. Uh, very, um, they're very thoughtful. You know, those are the, right. that's the, the, the pilots, the engineers, the doctors, a lot of financial advisors, right? Thank God. They are very detailed, right? So that's where the analytical personality uh, comes out. They're task oriented and reserved. And so for, for them, they're driven by quality and value, right? And so they're going to ask detailed questions and they want the data. 
they're going to look at the consumer reports before they buy a car, right? The D looks at it and said, okay, they may go for the SUV, big SUV Hummers when they came out, right? They're going to go for that. You know, the I might go for the, um, uh, you know, the sports car, the shiny sports car, the S is, might go for the, and, and everybody's a unique blend. Okay. This yeah, is of course, just yes. separating them out. Um, and then the S personality type, they might get the, the, the minivan, right. Or a car that is big enough so we can take a lot of people, they can take a lot of people with them. Right. right. And then the C personality type is going to, is going to get the efficient car. The one that is maybe the Tesla nowadays. They go, oh yeah, let's get the Tesla. It's got lots of technology <laughs> in there and stuff. Right. right. So, all those personalities are super valuable and all are necessary on a team because they all have different roles and different functions. And so when you want to build a strengths-based team, which I'm a big believer in building strengths-based teams, you, you want to leverage people's strengths. But again, like I said earlier, is that every strength taken to an extreme can become a weakness. For the right. D, they can become very defiant. Now, listen really well. They become the the bossy, overbearing, militant style leader, uh, off the cuff, say things that they haven't really thought through or, or validated, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there is the I personality that it, they can become illogical, right? So they, they just like, they just make stuff up, you know? Right. And it's like, it sounds good, right? It's a good story. My dad could justify anything. Like, right. and you, you go like, that's the most illogical thing I've ever heard. But to him in his mind, he's like, no, it makes sense. And so, so there's an extreme. They also like to talk right. too much. Which, so, so going yeah. to the extreme on yes. any of those can lead to problems. And I would think that underdevelopment in any one of those areas in somebody is also a challenge, right? Like if, yes. it, if, 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 I, like if somebody is like way down the spectrum in any one of those, that can also be a challenge. What I found interesting as you were saying that is that I, you know, on the surface, if I think of myself, I always think that I'm an outgoing person. And then when I really analyze it, I'm really not. Like mm. I go to a party and I kind of stick to the peripheral until I get my sense of, you know, who in the room am I, you know, am I resonating towards? Like, and when I think of in music, when I played in a band, I loved being the drummer. Why? Because I was in the back line. Yeah. I didn't have to stand up in front of a crowd and be like, oh my gosh, it's just me up here singing or playing a guitar. Yet I had the control of the band, right? Like I got to sit in the back, be behind my drum kit and be hidden by cymbals. But I was very clearly in control of the band in terms of how forceful I played or the speed of the song, like all of that stuff really relied on the rhythm. Yeah. Like I, so I loved that position. It's like, Hey, I'll just sit back here and be as awesome as I possibly can on the drum kit and still have, you know, that sort of leadership role in the band. So that's yes. very interesting. Well, and with that, it's interesting because a lot of times people will think comedians and rock, you know, rock stars or they'll just assume that they're outgoing and that they're I personality types or D personality types. And yeah, I mean, Gene Simmons is, is a D, right? So, you know, but the, if you look at like a Robin Williams, Robin Williams is as much as he could do off the cuff and he could just, you know, riff off. I mean, he's just amazing. One of the greatest, I believe, one of the greatest comedians that, that I've ever seen in history. He was actually a C personality type. His mind just works so quickly. He's kind of like that C I personality blend, right? Where he works so quickly in his mind 
to, to simulate what's going on in the audience and how he can pick out things, right? And make it up. And people say he's just doing it off the cuff, but his mind is working, but he's because he's analyzed and he's doing it so quickly. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it is, it is uh, a dangerous thing to stereotype people. And that's, that's not what this tool is designed to do. Nobody likes to be stereotyped. No, like, nobody likes to be categorized. People do like to be better understood though. And if you yeah. can better understand and appreciate and say, wow, you know what? This person has a, a wonderful strength to lead. I remember saying to my brother when one of my, when my he has four kids and um, four girls and all strong personality types, when my niece was uh, my one particular niece was growing up. She's just like him. And he's just like my dad, high energy DI personality type. And, uh, and I said to him, I said, don't break her spirit, channel it. Right. So you channel their, their energy. And if you have, if you're a leader of a, of an organization, look within your team, there are natural people that love to lead, give them the opportunity to lead within a safe you know, construct, right? Now there is a, a, a gentle reminder for people that say, I want to lead. Yeah. Give me the, give me the role is that in order for you to be in authority, you first need to be un, under authority. And so there's that humility that we require in order mm. to be a great leader. So you got to learn, you got to study, you got to be a great student first for your great teacher. But yes, there is, there's also the other side of that where people have underdeveloped aspects of their personality type. And so that's where it, it would behoove all of us to learn about all four personality types, because there are times when you just got to get stuff done. Yeah. And then there are times where you got to relax and have fun. And there are times when you got to bring people together, right. And build that harmony. And there are times when you've got to be specific and have proper procedures and systems in place so that you can be efficient and, and get it done well, not just get it done, but get it done with excellence. And so all of those personality types, look, if the house is burning down, you don't want the person going, wow, you know, what are we going to do about that? You need somebody that's going to jump in and get it done, you know? And so that's why it's important to have all of those personalities. I love what um, uh, Dr. Rome would say. He said, you know, it's not that you need to change yourself and go to a different quadrant and live there but you do need to be willing to visit every once in a while. Hey, it's Thomas here. Thanks so much for listening to the Bloom Living Podcast. We'll be right back with our guest after a word from our sponsors. Do you feel uneasy visiting a bank? Do you struggle to sit through a meeting with your financial advisor and leave having not fully understood what they were talking about? Are you blindly trusting that somebody else understands this better than you? Call Thomas DeShooter and the team at Bloom Strategies to create your financial future. Together, you will break down the game of money so that you win. Learn how to take control of your finances and make decisions based on your core values that put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. No more thinking that you don't get it. No more financial statements left unopened. And no more feeling like you are stuck in a world of scarcity. Join the conversation on Facebook at Bloom Strategies or go to bloomstrategies.com today. That's B-L-O-O-M strategies.com. Hey, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Bloom Living Podcast. And now back to today's guest. Well, I would think that as, uh, you know, so if we take this to 
the entrepreneur, the, the person building a team, the person out to build a business. I would think that on, on a, this tool in a couple of ways, one is obviously in the hiring, in looking within your own team, who would be good at, you know, if a new position or a new leadership role is required, who might fit that. But I also think just knowing yourself at this level and knowing where you need support where you're not going to have a lot of strength so that you can actually invite, you know, especially in the early beginning, like, you know, right now what I, you know, my business is, is uh, fairly young in terms of, you know, I, I bought up my business partner. So I've restructured the business and I'm regrowing it. So at this point, I don't need another person like me, right? right? There's, there's things I need in my business that are not my skill set or not my strong suits, if you will. And so a tool like this is that's where it would come in great is for me to analyze myself and correct me if I'm wrong here, but re me to really understand myself in that vein and then go, okay, what is the next best, you know, type of person I could hire here that would really serve so that I can accelerate the business with them supporting me? Yes. Well, so you can do what you are the best at. This is how you get into that genius zone you know, and, and, and stay in that genius zone. Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, developing your unique ability, not just the thing that you're good at, because you can, you can get good at certain things. I can get good at certain things, but I'll never be a 10 at certain th things because they're just not in my strengths zone, right? So I, I need to be competent. Right. I need to visit every once in a while and be able to jump in there and to appreciate the different personality types and strengths of the different personality types and adopt them uh, as needed. But to operate out of that over time creates conflict and creates stress and fatigue. Right. Yeah. So when you build a team, you've got to recognize what are my strengths and then you can uh, complement based on what you're looking to accomplish then you fill in gaps by saying, okay, well, who do I need on my team? You know, it's a lot of times what we do is we attract people who are like ourselves, right? We, we mm. go, oh yeah, like this is like, this will be really great. They'd be great. <laughs> yeah, you bring them in and you're having a party, like two eyes, right? We're gonna have such a great time, but nothing's getting done, yeah. right? Or you've got two C personality types who like to geek out with data and spreadsheets and, you know, analysis and nothing's getting done because they're stuck in the weeds planning and preparing to prepare to prepare. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and if you have a sales team specifically and you say like, you've got people that are farmers and you got people that are hunters, right. And, and unless you have a marketing funnel that hands people on a silver platter, right. To somebody. Do those exist? Gonna, yeah. Like, right. Right. <laughs> So, you know, so unless you have that, you're going to need some people that are willing to go out and do some outreach. And there's a, in certain personality types are more comfortable in doing that than others. Right. And, but it's not so much that they just need to be good talkers, but they also need to be good listeners. One of the best salespeople that I've ever met is a, is a high S he's actually a S C I personality type. And uh, I mean, the guy can sell like nobody's business. Why? Because he cares so much about the other person. He knows his product really well. He can relate and build rapport. He's very social. And 
uh, and, and he cares about providing a valuable solution to his clients. So I used to joke and say, every time I get on the phone with him, what am I buying? Right? Like yeah. I'm just, you know, cause he telling me about the coolest, latest, you know, computer technology that he had just discovered. And so, you know, but that's it. So it's not to assume that the D's and I's are the ones that get into sales. Although a lot of times salespeople are in that space, but you, so you do need some people that are out there. They're hunters, right? And right. then there are the, the farmers, the nurturers, the ones that will do the customer service, you know, and, and be patient. And, and it's funny because I'm a D personality. And when I was 16 years old and I thought about starting my business and what was I going to do and how, you know, I was like, okay, well, I need to go out there and make cold calls. And so literally I went door to door, but that, that makes sense. Now, if you look at the personalities, right, why I would do that. And other people are like, are you crazy? I would never want to do that. Yeah, but yeah. to me, it was like, ah, not a big deal. We're going to go out mm-hmm. there and, and hunt it down <laughs> because that was the personality. Then I learned that not only do I do, need to do that, but now I also then need to nurture those relationships so that I could have ongoing business, repeat business, build long-term relationships with, with clients. So it wasn't just about, you know, hunting it down, right? And, and now it's about nurturing and and that's, so again, that's where you can become a a cross section, a blend of all four personality types as is needed to get the job done. Right. So I just had this thought and it's not, you know, maybe you have an answer for this or maybe you don't, I'm just going to throw this out there. Me, uh, first of all, being in the money game as I am and having done that for, you know, work with people for two decades and this year, season three of the Bloom Living podcast has been focused a lot more on finance than ever in the past. Like usually it's been about everything but finance. In this, in this conversation of that, is, have you ever noticed that there's one area that serves, that has a better mindset right off the bat around money? Is there one of those areas where it's, you know, where they have the ability to just deal with money at a level that, is next level versus somebody and maybe there's an area there that struggles more with dealing with money gets caught up in the minutia and can't figure out their finances i'm curious if that if that is if you've ever noticed yeah that's a great question so again we're not going to stereotype or pigeonhole people but i i have noticed personally firsthand that these like to take risks right i take i take risks i can take i'll take risks with my money right, right. so without proper education and understanding this comes back to the reason why i said that d's are motivated by results eyes are motivated by recognition all right they want to look good the image is important to them the s personality type by harmony and working together right harmony and taking care of the people that are important right loving on everybody and the c personality type who is cautious and calculating right analytical so if you apply that to money the D's like to take risks, right? My, the I's, my dad was actually a D.I. personal, very like almost like 50-50, okay? So he'd be like, ah, let's give this a shot and we'll clean up the mess later. Right. That usually meant my mother, who is the C personality, would financially clean up them, figure out how to work that out later. <laughs> because the I personality type is like, ah, let's give it a shot, right? They're visionaries. They believe big. They're like, ah, let's go for it. It's going to be awesome. People are going to love my product. I know somebody who, you know, put, and I'm sure you've heard stories about that. People putting in like over a million dollars and just throwing in, they're like, 
this product is going to be amazing. People are going to love it. They don't do any market research. They don't do any focus groups, anything, anything like that. They just know. They just know in their gut that this product is going to be the thing. Yeah. Go and they pour this money, you know, in, and and then they realize they get a rude awakening that there's a lot more to it. The S personality type, uh, they they tend to be. So one of their challenges is kind of being a little bit of a pushover. Right. So people may borrow money off them. Can I borrow some money? Oh, no problem. Hey, listen, can I pay you later? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's okay. When you have the money, right, you can pay me. So then they struggle in their finances because they don't want to ask people. They're, they, they're, not, um, they're not as confident in asking people for money or charging what they're worth, right? Because they kind of, it's almost like a false humility, if you will, um, right that they're just like, Oh, I, you know, I don't know. It's just this little thing I do. The C personality types are the savers, right? So they're the ones that save money and are like, can be to the extreme scrooges with their money and don't want to spend it. A lot of CFOs, right? Are C personality types. They're the bean counters, right? So that's how they operate with money, you know? And, and again, every single personality type, there are there are strengths and then taken to an extreme then becomes a weakness. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. That was beautiful. And 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 again, it, you know what I'm thinking about as you're saying that I'm I'm thinking about how important it is to know that about yourself, and then to actually find where am I weakest and 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 start developing a way to strengthen that area. Not so that it becomes the number one thing, just so that it supports the amazing human being that you already are. Right. And I think, yes. it, you know, and also what came up was I was just thinking about that, you know, great Greek know thyself, right. Yeah. If you know yourself and I, you know, I've done a lot of self development work. I've done a lot of self-reflection, especially over the last, you know, three or four years, it's been a real focus of mine is to really dig in to see who I am. Uh, now I know ah, that's, I got to stay away from that or I need, especially, my wife to come in and be the, the reasoning soundboard because I know what I'll do and that might not be the best thing at this moment. That might not serve all of us. And, you know, I have a family, so that might not serve everybody right now for me to just be the guy that's, I'm doing this, you know. Well, I, and that's why you have a CEO in a company and that's why you have a CFO right? and you have a COO. Right. And you have CMO and CIO and you have all the right, the C suite. Right. Which actually cover off different roles. And so you don't have to be everything. And coming back to what you're asking about as entrepreneurs, you know, how this applies to entrepreneurship is a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. In the beginning, you might have to carry a, and, and have a lot of hats or maybe wear all the hats initially, but as soon as possible. And I think that's actually short sighted, even when you do think that. And it's a little bit arrogant. Like I have to do it all, right? Right. Um, when it, if you think of Bill Gates, Stephen, jo uh, Steve Jobs, he he they knew that they had to get other people right from the get go. They had to have other people on their team and roll a team early on. It's one of the one of the things that I learned for myself is because being the D, I was like, I got this. I'll take care of it. And because I've run all the different aspects of the business growing up. I actually could do it. The problem is, is that when I do it, then it actually takes me out of what is the, the highest value of the, like the, what I should be doing. Right. right. So yeah. it slows the growth of the business down, trying to be everything. 
And so, you know, so, so if you look at an org chart, an org chart is, is it actually, it serves you, right? To fill those roles and allow your CFO to do what CFOs do to the extreme where the, the, where the CFO then uh, prevents other, you know, the other departments from doing what they need to be doing, right? So that's, you got to watch out for that. Again, that's where the extreme comes in, right? They become so cheap that they don't want to spend money on marketing when marketing, they need to spend money on marketing. So like they're so busy trying to save money that they're not, they're actually preventing themselves from in the company from making money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because when I think of the, you know, the highly successful businesses, the Amazons, the Googles, uh, Apples, like they actually spend money on, on development, on having uh, employees, having leadership, you know, getaways, having things put in place where these people can go and expand who they are so that they can develop in those areas so that they are an asset to the business overall and not bringing in their stuff, if you will, for lack of a better term, that actually slows the business down. Uh, I'd love to shift gears here a little because uh, you have a, you know, a great podcast out there. Thank and you. so there's a lot of people now I'm seeing more and more in the media, like start your own podcast, go do a podcast. And really at the end of the day, it doesn't take a lot, a lot really on the technology side to start up a podcast. However, what I've noticed is it takes a real desire to do a podcast if you're going to stay in the game. Yes. And, and, and so you've been at it a while. You've been successful. You're in over 130 countries. Uh, you've done a couple hundred plus shows. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. You just so, released, I think, 288. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's fantastic. You're way ahead of me in terms of, in terms of numbers of shows. Uh, and I'm curious, so on a, on a couple things. One is, what has had you like just the, the stick to itness of doing it. Cause I'm sure in the beginning it wasn't like all of a sudden, Hey, we're getting a million downloads a month. I can't believe how great this is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and two on a personal level, what has it done for you? Like what has, what do you see that actually doing it and, and going through the process has actually done for you? Mm, great question. Well, so yes, I've been doing it for four years now. And when I started, I actually did not uh, plan to start a podcast. I literally woke up one morning early on a Saturday morning at 4.30 and I had this divine download. You're going to do a podcast. It's going to be called Leaders of Transformation. And I had the name I was going to use it for other things, masterminds and so forth. You're going to do a podcast. It's going to be called the Leaders of Transformation you're going to interview difference makers and world changers go. And I'm like, when am I going to do this now? Okay, sure. So I actually called Mark Mawinney, who was four hours ahead of me on Atlantic time. And Mark has a show called natural born coaches. And at that time he was, he was doing seven days a week coaching and he had like 300 episodes. I had been, I was number 17. And then here we are like nine months later and he's at like 300 and whatever. I don't know. It was just crazy numbers. Right. So uh, so I reached out to him and I said, Hey, do you actually, do you have some time to just, because I, I don't know anything about what I need to do with it. Like I, I have no idea what technology, I don't know what, it, you know, how to do it at all. And so we spent about 20 minutes on the phone and that Saturday morning and he told me what I needed to do and, and how, and how it all worked. 
And from there I started my podcast and I was live within like a couple of weeks and uh, he became my first episode. I said, great, Mark. Well, you're episode number one. He said, you need a few episodes before you launch. And I went, great. Well, you're number one. <laughs> we'll start there. And, uh, and so in answer to your question in terms of what has kept me going, in part, it sounds funny, but it was obedience. It was to trust that, that you know what, do this. It'll be good. Right. I'm like, okay. At the time I was going through a crazy season, which I've shared another podcast, you know, a crazy season with my, with my now ex-husband. Um, and I was drained. I did not have the energy to put out content, even though I knew that was the most important thing that I needed to do as a coach, as a business coach and advisor and, you know, and, and somebody that's just, I've always been on the, at the head of the curve. Anyway, so I, I didn't have the energy to put my own content out. So when this divine download came, I was like, okay, I may, may not be able to put my con my own content out, but I can showcase other people mm -hmm. because that's what I've always, you know, playing to people's strengths, teaching people how to play to their strengths, all this diss that we've just been talking about. Um, and that leads into the second part of your question, which was, uh, what has it done for me? Is in that season when I was going through one of the most difficult seasons in my life, uh, it, it actually forced me, created an environment for me to associate with like the most amazing people, people from my network that I hadn't stayed in touch with because, you know, unless you're working on projects, like you don't stay in touch with people. I mean, a lot of people, right? So I, I actually reached out to them and said, Hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And so that, that was great. And then they started referring me to their friends and then their friends. And I haven't looked for guests for a long, long time. Actually now, right now I'm specifically reaching out to guests for a, for a season coming up, but otherwise I just don't do that. Um, I just get so many wonderful people that are coming through booking agents and so forth. So the greatest blessing for me has been actually the people that I've met mm -hmm. and it's, and it's, uh, and it's helped me to uh, recalibrate, um, on my own mindset and change. You are the, the sum total Jim Rohn needs to say, right? It's the year, the yeah. sum total of the, the five people you spend the most time with. And for me, that became the people that were on my podcast. You know, yeah. I started with three a week and then I went to two a week and one a week, you know, and, and kind of varied it a little bit here and there during that season. And, uh, but spent a lot of time with amazing people like yourself, even just being on other shows, you know, and so it's been an incredible journey. And um, I, I, you know, my, my network, um, the inspiration, learning from people, you know, and, and their insights it's yeah. like a personal development program all tied in to, you know, to, to it. It's, it's been amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You know, for, uh, I'll just add on to that. Yeah. It's for me, it's been my own personal self-development, right? It's kind of like you get to hear stuff and you get to ask the questions you want to ask. And so, you know, in a, in some ways I love the show because of it, I get to highlight people like yourself. I get to, I get to give something back. I look at, but also at the same time, it's a bit selfish that I also, I get so much out of, out of the experience myself. Yes. And, and, you know, the, the other thing I like about it is it, uh, there's nothing like speaking what you think to mm. understand what you truly think. Like when stuff comes out of your mouth, you know whether it really resonates with you or not. And you might like some of it and not like other parts of it. So then you get to refine it the next time it comes out of your mouth. And then you get to refine it again till you actually know your voice. You can actually 
start to stand up and go, this is what I believe. And that has been one of the hidden gifts that I've received from, from doing the show for me has been able to just find my voice and find my belief system. And what is it that I want to stand in front of the world and say, hey, this is how it works for me. And you might get some value from one piece of it or two pieces of it or whatever. Absolutely. And one of your recent guests that you've had on the show, you, you were talking about the fact that um, you you actually uh, edited your own podcasts, right? And I did that too, because I wanted to hear myself. And when I would hear myself, I'm like, oh, Nicole, like, you know, the ums or just the wandering conversations or like just realizing the value. I could hear my I could hear my little voice talking, right? So then I could coach myself basically through that and saying, is that, like you said, refine the message, really ask myself, um, you know, is that what I want to communicate? And if not, what do I want to communicate? So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. I highly recommend it. And you know what? I believe that every single business in the next few years, if not the next few months um, needs to have a podcast because it is your voice that you're putting out there into the world. Yeah, and I uh, I love I love what you said there. It it really your little monkey voice could really you know your self critic is really going to clean up what you don't like about yourself, and then you gain confidence when you're like, hey, I've, I'm shifting. And and I'll just share I I received that i that idea from Tim Ferriss. You know, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast four years ago, and he yeah. said that he intentionally edited his first thirty shows so that he would understand the process completely. And I loved how he put it because it was on a couple of fronts. One was not only for his own uh, uh, self-critiquing uh, of how to be a better host, but also so that when he gave it away to somebody else to do, he knew how long it took. Like somebody couldn't say, oh, I'm, it's taking me hours to e- edit these podcasts. It's going to cost you X, Y, Z dollars, right? He knew what the process looked like. And so he had a very good idea of what's, what he could expect in terms of somebody turning around a show and having it ready to go, to go out into the airwaves, if you will. Yeah, it's interesting because Joel Osteen, um, he was behind the camera for some 17 years, I think it was, uh, while his father was on stage. And then when this father passed away and he took on that role, he actually afterwards would go back and work with the editor and do exactly that too. He would watch himself. He would be part of that process so that he could see himself and that he knew the process. So yeah, it is very valuable. And I actually have had that experience where editors are like, Oh, it takes so long. Like, no, I've, I've actually done it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't you. take that long. Yeah. What is the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Sure. So I have two websites. The first one is discovertheedge.com, which is my coaching website. Uh, it does link to the podcast, but then I also have a podcast website, uh, which is leadersoftransformation.com. So through either one of those uh, platforms and on social media, both of those, Discover the Edge and Leaders of Transformation, uh, we've, we've got you know profiles and all the different major you know, platforms and so forth. So I'm easily accessible there and, and uh, would love to hear the comments and feedback or questions. I'm yeah. happy to answer them. And, and also I'll just share you and I connected on LinkedIn so people can find you on LinkedIn as well. Absolutely. And, and so if somebody was going to, you know, say, Hey, I want to pursue, you know, looking at working with you or, uh, you know, start some coaching. Is there, is there like a, a session they, they can start with? Like, how would that work? If somebody said, Hey, Nicole, I like what you said. I'd like to discover a little more. 
Sure. So uh, I actually do a discovery session, which is legitimately, it's not just a sales pitch. <laughs> it's a literally, it is a session where we get to know each other, understanding we dive into what are your, what is your uh, passion? What do you, what's, what are you looking to create? Uh, where are you right now? And what's the gap between where you are and where you want to be? And then what does it look like um, in terms of how you, how you bridge that gap? And if I can help you to do it, great. And if not, that's fine. I will refer you. I, I, that's another part of the advantage of, of uh, having a large network is I know a lot of people. So I can direct you to the right people to help you with what it is that you're looking for. So um, through my website, discovertheedge.com has uh, where you can book a discovery session or you can go on Calendly. So calendly.com forward slash Nicole Jansen. And uh, you'll see there's a, there's a place where you can just, it's book a free session with me and uh, we can chat. Awesome. We've been speaking today with strategic business advisor, leadership coach, uh, coach and podcast host, Nicole Jansen. That's a little bit of a tongue twister there for me. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much for being with me today and for taking time out of your day to just share your insights. I really, you know, I had no idea we were going to spend uh, the time that we did on disc. And I think it was so valuable because it, it can really for a business owner, an entrepreneur, or even somebody that just wants to have uh, make a difference in their own life to do that work and to understand who you are. And then if you're building a team to understand who the players are that you're working with, a huge value to that. So thank you so much for sharing that today. My pleasure, Thomas. Thanks for having me. And uh, I love your podcast. I love the heart that you bring to it. So I just really appreciate you having me here. Awesome. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you too. Okay. A huge thanks to today's guest and to you for being a part of the show. Now, if any of the ideas or stories did strike a chord with you, then I'd be honored if you would just take a quick moment to do a couple of things. One, if something in particular did resonate with you and you feel like it would make a difference in the lives of others, then please go ahead and share this through your social media channels. We'd like that very much. And two, if you are feeling compelled to join in on our ever-growing Bloom Living conversation, then hit the subscribe button and we'll show up every time there is a new episode available. You know, it's not only my goal, but it's the goal of our entire Bloom Living team and community to be the very change that we want to see in the world. All ideas begin with a conversation, first with yourself and then with others. So we welcome your voice. And we ask that you send along any comments, thoughts, or questions. This is Thomas DeShooter, Bloom Living.